Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast with Chris Buda and Brett Hammond. Chris is a lawyer, pastor, and nonprofit executive, and Brett is a producer and business owner. This is part four of our series discussing leadership lessons that Chris learned while on the show Family Feud. And today, Chris discusses how, as leaders, we need to keep the end in mind and think through the question, what is my goal line? If you've been listening to Brett and I the last couple of weeks here, we've been talking about different leadership lessons learned on Family Feud. And the first one I shared was that leaders are pursuers. And just that reminder that instead of wanting to be pursued or waiting to be pursued, which is a great feeling, a natural feeling, if you want to be a leader and success-driven, we've got to be the ones to do the pursuing. The second thing we talked about was this idea of uh, leaders are communicators. We're not just telling people, we're teaching people. The other thing I learned from Family Feud, so again, we've kind of been building the story. So far, we, we've tried out. We surprisingly got invited down. We cleared the hurdle of getting there. We went into the first day and tried out. Well, second day, as I said, after the night in the hotel and Bryce calling saying, hey, we want to make some adjustments. Uh, I'm learning this, this third leadership principle I learned from Family Feud, that l- leaders never lose sight of the finish line. That as Bryce is communicating does, hey, I want to move the youngest son closest to you and then shift everyone down. Uh, I could have debated that with him. I could have said it looks better like this. Bryce's vision was, I know what I want the finished product to look like. And I think sometimes in life, we get caught up in the minutia and forget to keep the big vision in front of us. And again, I, I say this often, but whether it's family life, whether it's your personal life, whether it's your religious or spiritual life, whether it's your professional life, that as we are all called to be leaders wherever we find ourselves, the one thing we can do is make sure that we're if we're the leader, we're tending to the big picture. We're assuring we're staying on task. We're assuring we've got the 30,000 foot view that we can see as hard as things might be right now or as difficult they are, I can see what I want it to be down the road. Someone's got to keep that task flowing. Someone's got to keep that plate spinning. And I think for so many people, as I said, we get borne down in the, the minutia and lose stuff. So I felt like Bryce was teaching us that, hey, this is what I want it to look like. And so we're going to adjust it. So the next day we get the family feud. This is the second day in Atlanta. We get there and uh, he comes over and gives us a thumb lo- thumbs up. We tried out again because they had left, sent families home, brought in new families. So I'm thinking, this is how you get bumped. You can try out a couple times, but he assured us, he goes, no, we want you guys. So they picked a different family and he came to us quickly. I think just, again, being a good leader and going, don't get nervous. And again, I think it was the male-female uh, racial mix that they were worried about. It's like, as soon as we need white males. <laughs> and again, I'm not saying that in a negative way, just because yeah. the, the way they had the show, you guys are next up, so be ready. Depending on who wins up front, depends on who we bring up to compete. So we finally get an opportunity. And let me tell you something, brother. I, I'm i a communicator. We talked about what do you think about communicating. I'm a speaker. I have an opportunity to speak all over the globe. It's been a fun ride. So in front of a few people, in front of thousands of people. I'm an attorney. I've been in courtroom. That's kind of a rush when you're uh, in the middle of a case and you, the outcome depends in large part on how you communicate. Uh, I was a college athlete. Uh, I was a very mediocre Division One college wrestler. <laughs> but I, I had the opportunity to wrestle a rec hall at Penn State in my first tournament. I got the snot beat out of me. But I, I've had opportunities to do some stuff. So 15 minutes of fame. I haven't been cheated. And I'm grateful to God for the opportunities I've had. But when they called us up, and again, part of it was being the father going, I'm going to be on TV with Steve Harvey. But I'm thinking, I want my kids to be okay. I'm, I, I, I'm the mother bear in a lot of ways going, I just... I don't care if I look stupid. I look stupid. I just don't want them to. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. What have I gotten us into? But it was such a rush going up there. And uh, 
we go in the back and they they kind of make sure our shirts are buttoned and our ties are on straight and they bring us out and the warm-up guy Ruben Ruben's a middle-aged shorter African-American guy and I share that because he called himself the the mini me Steve Harvey <laughs> that's the moniker he called himself but a funny man man he's hysterical but he kind of gets you warmed up and does the, the does the act and stuff uh so we're up there and uh he does this thing uh he gets people in the audience to stand up and dance. We're up front watching, kind of going, okay, this is this is a little bit taking the spotlight off us as we're waiting for Steve Harvey to come out. And at one point, uh, he has two guys dance. Up. He goes, no, you two, just let me see everyone else sit down. He has these two guys dance. He goes, yeah, you're pretty good. He's like, what do you think, man? Are you going to dance me? And they're like, uh, yeah, man, we're going to dance you. And I think if part of it was entertaining the crowd, the other part was keeping the contestants loose. It was working because it was just fun. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's taking the attention off us. And, and Ruben's up there uh, doing his thing. And these two guys come down. And he goes, okay, we're going to do a dance-off. He goes, you two against, I need a partner. Well, in the, in the auditions in the morning, what I was referencing, they had Trevor. Because remember in Pittsburgh, if you listen to the previous broadcast, Trevor did his popping and break dancing. Yeah. So they had that in their notes. So when we tried out in the morning, Ruben's like, come out of here, Trevor. Let me see what you got. And Trevor, as you know, Brett can dance. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, Ruben's like, I need a partner. And he's looking up in the audience. He goes, how about that? He points like kind of does a no look. He points at Trevor. says, come here, son. <laughs> and Trevor goes out there and the, these two guys dance and Ruben and Trevor dance. And it brought the house down, man, because Ruben could move. He's a very talented man, very talented man. And then Trevor's a, a very talented kid. So we get back. Trevor gets back. I'm thinking, and all of a sudden he's like, "All right, ready? In ten seconds, Steve Harvey's going to be out." I was like, "That was genius!" It was like, <laughs> it was like mom and dad when the kids getting a shot. Here, you want a lollipop? Here, just take a bite of the lollipop. And the doctor gives you the shot right as you're licking the lollipop. It's like divert attention from it. Uh, but I thought, as I'm watching that, never being in the industry, I'm thinking, "Where is this going? Why is this warm up guy getting goofy? Why is he like we're minutes before Steve Harvey coming on?" Why is he pulling Trevor out? We just dried down all the sweat, particularly me. I sweat like a pig when I'm nervous. But he got, and I thought that was beautiful because we were so relaxed. And I thought, again, leadership principle, leaders keep the finish line in view. And I'm assuming from experience, they realize, let's keep it light. Don't just sit here for 10 minutes waiting for Steve Harvey to show up and, like, and him to point and go, we're live. And go, oh, crap. And it's like everyone was laughing and having fun. The audience was loud because they want the audience loud. But I thought, man, it's just awesome that they, they that there's someone keeping the end in mind, that there's someone with the big pictures who sees this, he sees the finish line. Anyway, Steve Harvey comes out, and it was just one of those surreal moments. Uh, and I, I'm trying not to throw up. And uh, Trevor's sitting next to me, and he's mumbling under his breath. I just want to touch his mustache. I'm like, dude, do not reach out, <laughs> do not reach out to touch him. There's probably guys who are going to come out and knock you down if they they try to touch him. Uh, so Steve Harvey, we start taping the show, and they take a break every question and I realized too again there's someone there keeping the end in mind they come out and uh, Steve Harvey has a handler I don't know if that's the right term but a kind of a personal assistant who comes out bottle of water with a towel for Steve and some makeup they need to redo his makeup Steve would go to the front of the stage and say hey glad you're here to the audience anyone have any questions and he would take questions I, I referenced in one of the earlier talks Brett that I love the man he's a re- really solid man real deep faith uh, but kind of came to through life the hard way. So he's not ashamed of telling stories about some rough stuff too. But he would just take questions from anyone in the audience. 
while they were doing that, I noticed, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's a very nice man. He's patting down Steve's forehead and checking the makeup, giving him water, making sure Steve was good. And then producers would come to either, both teams, and they would start coaching us. And so I told that story once. Someone said, oh, they want you to win. I said, no. The end in mind is we want to produce a show that people want to watch on TV, that our ratings go up, because, I mean, that's the TV meter is ratings. Yeah. We get higher ratings. We want to beat, again, I'm, I'm saying it. I think literally Jeopardy was always the highest rated. They want to be Jeopardy. They want to be the highest rated show. We want uh, sponsors to, as our ratings get higher. We can charge more for sponsors, I'm assuming, in a business model. We want more people to be with us. There's a reason they always say, hey, if so-and-so family wins five shows in a row, they're going to walk out of here in a beautiful Ford Fusion. You know, it's like they're going to keep pumping. So you can get more deals. But their end, their end game, the big picture, the 30,000-foot view, the finish line is we want to be a top-rated TV show. They're the experts on how that happens. And so they weren't coaching us to win. They weren't coaching the other team to win. They were coaching us to be what they wanted us to be. And some of that included how they wanted us to respond. If you've ever watched Family Feud, you know, sometimes one of the things I was worried about is when you watch on TV, everyone gets goofy jumping around. I'm like, eh, they want you to be excited. And so people aren't goofy. Even if you're not, they want you to show some emotion. So they would come up and say, okay, come on, relax, guys. And I remember... Gabby, who I said ran the whole thing, it's her production company, came up. She's like, hey, guys, 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 I know you're real smart. This isn't Jeopardy. Don't think so hard. <laughs> but she's coaching. And uh, our guys, after some of the answers, would start jumping on each other. Bryce come up and say, guys, keep doing that. And literally going, can you jump higher? And they're like, yeah, it's like jump as high as you want. And so, again, it wasn't just for stupidity or silliness. It's like this, trust me, when you get the answer right, that camera's going to be on you. You jump as high as you can because that's our thing. Uh but I was just, you know, in the moment even, as, as nervous as I was and as kind of just, you know, I use the word surreal, just knowing you're up there, Steve Harvey's up there talking, we're being filmed, we're getting, they have to pat me down constantly because I sweat like a pig. Uh, but I, even in the midst of that, I'm going, these guys just know what they want to do. They've done it before, they know what they're doing, but they are tending to the, the big picture, which is we're going to make a production. We're going to make a TV show that sells, that people like. We have different ethnicities and cultures up here. As I said, they're intentional about every bit of that show. There's nothing There's nothing haphazard about what they do. And it was just so impressive to me to see them run things that way. And it was a lot of fun, too, to just see how they picked that up. Uh, we got done at one point after the third question, I think, we're in the show. And uh, the one thing they told us was, if you watch the show, when they, you put the answer up, they want everyone looking at the big board. Yeah. Well, they have a TV monitor in front of Steve Harvey that he can look at. Mm-hmm. They said one of the habits you can get into is you're the one looking at that monitor. So as we're taping, everyone's back looking up at the big board. And the answer is ding or X. It's like, don't be the guy staring. So after like the third question, they came up and said, hey, 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 guys. And I'm thinking, what do my kids do? Like, Chris, you're staring at the monitor. You're the only guy off stage going, oh, with your gaping mouth staring at the camera. I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm worried about my kids on the more. But, but again, that, that leadership principle I learned, everything they did was to say, hey, we've got a goal. It's get the ratings up. We've got a goal, be the best game show on TV. We've got a method to that. We've got steps to that. We've got principles to that. And we're going to adhere to that. And we're going to be the people, the producers, who are going to stay at 30,000 foot and not get caught up in the minutia and say, this is our goal. This is what we want to get done. So even the fact that, there's, that we get up in, in the morning, set up an alarm, we have a routine and we get to work. For some people, that's an issue. But to be intentional enough to say the big picture is I want to be successful in my career, I got to get up. I've got to get showered. I've got to get to work. 
that sounds simple, but there are people we know, human beings, people maybe even that we care about who struggle with the daily things like that. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. I think there's a natural rhythm to most of us who say, I keep the big picture in mind. I know I go to work. I do my job. I don't curse at the boss. I mean, there's certain things we don't do because we just know if I want this to work, I've, I've got to fall in line. But I would argue that for us as leaders and us as, as employees or even employers, that a big part of us have to be more specific on saying, okay, what steps do I need to take? to get to the goal line. Preceding that question is, I think even some people fail to come up with, what is my goal line? So for us, I think it's important, whether you're young, just entering the workplace, or you're someone who's well-seasoned, is saying, what are you about? What are your goals? What is your end game? And then what are we doing to make sure that that, that we are tending to that end game and not getting caught up in the day-to-day? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's gonna be a different broadcast we'll talk about, a different podcast. Uh, but I think for some of us, we don't ever settle on what we want. And then if we don't know exactly what we want, it's hard to really keep the ball moving in that direction if we're not even exactly sure where the goal line is. You get a lot of people say, I want a good job. I want to be able to take care of my family. Okay, but I'm guessing there's some specifics that need to be filled in to put some meat on the bones of that structure. So mm-hmm. we'll come back to that. That's a different talk for a different day. Thanks so much for listening. Next week in part five, Chris will discuss how good leaders leverage other people's gifts and celebrate other people's strengths. This podcast is recorded and produced by me, Brett Hammond, at www.bhammond.com.